He is a Denver native born of Denver natives. A former Denver chief deputy district attorney. He is now an active Colorado trial lawyer. Bright, independent, and full of fun, he has been part of the media for decades. This is The Craig Silverman Show. Oh, what a world, what a life, what a day. Saturday, October 7, 2023. Big day for me and my wife, Trish. More so even for my second son, Sam, my youngest child. He turns 21 today. Happy birthday, Sam. Honey, we did it. We raised two fine boys. Last week, I had Marshall Zellinger on, and he did a great job hosting Nine News Next all week while Kyle Clark a prior guest, he took a vacation. Scott McGinnis never takes a vacation from public service. The guy was raised in Glenwood, became a cop there, then he became a lawyer in Colorado, served in the legislature in the great state, then he went on to represent the Western Slope and Pueblo, as he points out, CD3, pre-Lauren Boebert, this was your six-term congressman, and then He wanted to be governor. That did not work out. My radio show was part of it, but he did not hold a grudge. Hell, Scott McGinnis has proved over and over his love of Colorado, served as Mesa County Commissioner for the last several terms until he got term limited. Now he's on the Colorado River Board representing Mesa County. He talks to me about everything, his support of Ukraine, his disdain for Donald Trump, his reaction to what happened in the U.S. House of Representatives where he served for so long, his opinion about the Colorado GOP, it is profound. I'm glad I have a friendly relationship with Scott McGinnis, and I can't believe how lucky I am to have restored my relationship with Geraldo Rivera. If you missed that last episode during the week, It dropped Tuesday morning after my Monday talk with Geraldo. Gosh, he's a great guy, too. And, of course, I become friendly with these guys again when they reject Donald Trump. But it's kind of a prerequisite. Hillary Clinton got quoted about a need for deprogramming. I don't know what it is, but I hope more people are like Scott McGinnis or Geraldo Rivera. Republicans, in the case of Geraldo, a friend of Donald Trump, but it's a bridge too far, especially when this week he started talking about people who come into our country poisoning our blood. Poisoning our blood? Who talks like that? Adolf Hitler talked like that about the Jews. And so what if it's now aimed at other immigrants or lessers? Bottom line, I don't like bigotry, and MAGA is part of bigotry. And I ask Scott McGinnis, about white Christian nationalism, and does it bother him? You'll get his response. I never thought Geraldo would be part of that crowd, but he had a friendship for a long time with Trump in New York City, both gallivanting around. Heck, read about it in the New York Times. They did a wonderful profile of my buddy Geraldo back in September. But Geraldo cannot stand the way Donald Trump has turned. Neither can I. Neither can our troubadour, Dave Gunders. 
Dave Gunders is a good friend of mine, and he sings a song about a breakup, tear-up time. And it's a sad song. It concerns a river. I asked him for a song about a river. It also deals with his field renovation. He has lookout renovation. That's his day job. I'm trying to get out of here Friday night to go hear him play. Him and the Vipers, they're playing at a bar called Brewability. This guy's working all the time, but what a great segment we have talking about tear-up time. When is relationship over? Well, for Scott McGinnis, he tore up a relationship with Tina Peters. He did that on a past episode. Find out what he has to say about Lauren Boebert, given what just happened in Denver, and listen to the life of a congressperson. Scott McGinnis, what a history he has in Colorado. Same with Dave Gunner, same with me, same with you listening to this show. Colorado-centric, but we're touching on the big issues. And I thank you for listening. After a brief break, listen to my fascinating interview with six-term United States House representative, still the Mesa County representative on the Colorado River Commission, term-limited Mesa County commissioner, and all-around interesting man, Scott McGinnis. He's in the inner sanctum section of Craig's Lawyer's Lounge, reserved for Act 5 attorneys in our fifth decade of practice when we really let loose with the truth. Oh, and hey, don't forget the spinoff series, Craig's Colorado Corner. It comes at you weekday mornings. This upcoming week, the plan is 6 a.m. Wednesday morning. We will record all over the world Tuesday. My show has foreign correspondents, Ken Toltz in Israel, John Jackson in Ukraine. We get the perspective on all this craziness in America, how it affects Israel, how it affects Ukraine. It's obvious with the United States House to me, I also see what's going on. Vlad Putin, he's got Donald Trump compromised. Jim Jordan easily compromised, given his background with that wrestling scandal at Ohio State when he was assistant wrestling coach. Regardless, what kind of quality guy is Jim Jordan? I've seen him from Benghazi and him doing the bidding of Donald Trump on Twitter especially. Hasn't Elon Musk been exposed NBC had a report showing that he had a plan all along to take it bankrupt and also to blame the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, those damn Jews. Musk has taken a hard turn. What happened to him? I think it was having kids. That's part of what goes on. We'll talk about it with John Jackson and Kent Toltz. Those guys are on Twitter. We all were. I guess it's called X now because... We're all going to be ex-Twitter users. It's become authoritarian and a tool of Putin and Trump, just like Jim Jordan, who put it out on Twitter that the heroes of the GOP House, Kanye, Elon, and Trump, remember that? I cited it in a Colorado Sun column. They eventually deleted it, but Kanye, he's an anti-Semite, and so are the others. And this is the hero of Jim Jordan, who controlled that Twitter account, still does. Scares the crap out of me that he might be a speaker. 
Seems to me Matt Gates would never have made his move without the approval of Donald Trump. Donald Trump could have called Matt Gates and said, knock it off, but he wanted it to go on. He wanted the distraction to what's going on in New York, where he kept making a fool of himself every recess. He's going to talk himself into trouble. Judge Engeron's court in New York, where he's losing part of his business, serves him right for cheating so flagrantly. Scott McGinnis and I disagree about that a little bit. You will hear. But how about Judge Shudkin? That will be the week after next. October 16th, she has a big hearing. But you can see the delay strategy on the part of Donald Trump. He never wants to go to trial, but he's in a civil trial now, and he's coming out of court and saying ridiculous things. But the most ridiculous things are what he said at Mar-a-Lago to this Australian named Pratt, spilling nuclear secrets for free. He's a blabbermouth. Loose lips sink ships. They can also sink countries. How can we possibly have this guy as commander-in-chief again? Nobody can trust this guy, certainly not Melania. He's the least trustworthy guy in the world, and he's dumb, and he's reckless. And God forbid he ever become president again. Geraldo Rivera now realizes that, and so does Scott McGinnis. They can say all they want about old Joe Biden, but come on now. There have been very few people in the history of humanity as corrupt as Donald Trump. It's all coming out in courts of law, and he's trying to obstruct it, doing everything in his power. But he can't stop the truth from coming. It's coming at you today with Scott McGinnis, who's a true Colorado guy. And it will be great in Craig's Colorado Corner when we go to our foreign correspondence this Wednesday morning, 6 a.m. Colorado time. Kent Tolts from Israel, John Jordan from Ukraine. Find out the repercussions of all this on those foreign countries and those guys personally. Enjoy. It's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bagel. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. (laughs) Now, part of that was serious, and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday, and if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable, and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want, and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887 or online at mblaw.com. LLC.com. Now back to the Fred Silverman Show. Hey, being a lawyer is a matter of judgment. You have to know the law, the facts, but good judgment is essential. If you don't understand how Donald Trump is culpable for the crimes committed in his name, then I question your judgment. I have the good judgment to question Donald Trump. If you want a lawyer like that, instead of a knucklehead, 
who believes in the MAGA propaganda, call Craig, 303-734-7156, 303-734-7156. I am Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Welcome to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Please enjoy the inner sanctum. This is a pleasure and an honor. The six-term congressman from the Western Slope Scott McGinnis is joining me in the inner sanctum reserved for Act 5 attorneys in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Congressman, thanks for coming on again. And will you tell everybody when you became a lawyer? Uh, I will, Craig. Well, I graduated from law school in, in December of 1980 and took the bar shortly thereafter. So I became a lawyer in 1981. Same year as me. We're living parallel lives, but I want to put it on the record that you are slightly older than me. Am I right? You just tickled another decade. You were born in the spring of 1953. Am I right? That's correct. Yes. How does it feel to be entering your eighth decade? I'd rather be doing this than the option. I agree. And you are now in the inner sanctum for Act 5 attorneys. Even though you are a congressman and a politician and you still have a big job dealing with the Colorado River, it's expected within these collegial confines that you will just let it all go. Because, hell, we're old now, so why not just tell the truth, right? Well, I uh, found it a good policy to tell the truth all the way through, so that wasn't a concern of mine. I love having you in my lounge because it's dedicated to Colorado. Truth be told, I'm a Denverite. I really know Metro Denver, Southeast Denver, but you're a guy who knows all parts of Colorado. I occasionally travel around and say, oh my God, what a great state we have. But I'll submit there's been very few Colorado politicians who know more about Colorado than Scott McGinnis. Will you accept that accolade? Well, and in that, in fairness, uh, remember that about 63% of the geographic area of the state of Colorado was in my congressional district. And both my family and my wife's family have been in Colorado for, well, the ranch is a centennial ranch. They've been ranching on the same ranch since 1880. And my family came in the 1860s. So we have a lot of history in Colorado, and having had the privilege to serve in the U.S. Congress in the 3rd District, which was larger than all the other districts combined, you uh, that kind of adds up to a lot of uh, information and background about this wonderful, wonderful state we live in. And it is one big state. My district alone was larger geographically than the state of Florida, to give you an idea of the size of this state. Right, but we're not just talking about the Western Slope. Any reasonable person would stipulate that Scott McGinnis is an expert about Western Colorado and the 63% that was your district. But you know about the Front Range, too. You were telling me the other day as we were setting this up 
your connections to a little town called Boulder, Colorado. Tell everybody about that and how far back you and your wife's family go with respect to that institution. Well, uh, um, first of all, remember my district was not just Western Colorado. I also had Pueblo, I had Southern Colorado, Pueblo, I had Trinidad. I went clear to Evergreen. I even had a part of uh, Douglas County. And Douglas County is very interesting because my great-great-aunt, Wilhelmina Jacobina Gould, and her husband, Jeremiah, actually founded the town on their ranch, a little town called Castle Rock, Colorado. And on my father's side of the family, my great-grandfather, um, whose last name was Kohler, like the plumbing, K-O-H-L-E-R, their cattle ranch was where a good part of the CU campus is in Boulder. And uh, on top of that, there's a reservoir called Kohler Reservoir, and the, um, the what's the main drive to Boulder? Um, baseline. Yeah, Baseline used to be Kohler Road. So we have a lot of connections uh, throughout the state. We come from, both my wife and I um, come from large families. So I have lots of wonderful family around the state, as does my wife. And uh, so we're, we're pretty well glued to the state of Colorado, despite the... Uh, um, changes that have taken place with the uh, progressive politics, in my opinion. It seems to me that as part of your job and your campaigning, you were in the state legislature before you served in Washington. Yes. You must have put so many miles on. What was your normal commute like, first in the legislature? How did you do it? I mean, my God, the vehicles you must have gone through during your time serving. Well, I became an expert in the Ford Expedition, I can tell you that. And uh, so in the legislature, of course, I returned back, as I did mostly in Congress, unless I was I was on the parliamentary arm of NATO. But I did not, and the family did not live in um, uh, Denver. We stayed residents here, and my family did not move back to Washington, D.C. when we went to uh, Congress. I, they stayed here. So, again, in the in the state legislature, I mean, uh, you know, of course, that was limited. You only did three months out of the year, I think. Um, so every week, I don't know how many miles we did that, but I can tell you when I was in the United States Congress, um, on, our, on the expedition I used, I put probably 70,000 miles in a year, 60 or 70,000. Now, that doesn't mean I was driving all the time. But I got kind of nervous having somebody else drive. They would give you, in Congress, you would be allocated within your budget, especially with a district my size. You'd be allocated in a budget the right to use aircraft and uh, driver and things like that. But the driver they'd send you is about 22 years old, you know, and never driven in the mountains or on ice or snow or something. So you'd end up doing most of the driving. And, uh, uh, and, and so uh, you spend a lot of time on the road because – I, I forget exactly, Craig, how many communities I had. I think I had around 60 or 70 communities. Of course, Pueblo and Grand Junction were the largest. They were kind of, Pueblo's the flagship of Southern Colorado and almost has the same population as Grand Junction does, which is kind of the flagship of Western Colorado. So, uh, but lots of little communities, great, but you'd have to go a long ways to speak to a Chamber of Commerce that maybe it. had 30 people at lunch. How would you occupy your time? Would you listen to the radio, books, or how would you do it? Silence? Well, most of the time, I, most of the time I like driving. 
because uh, I got nervous with another driver, and that's serious. I mean, my most right. of my roads. Once uh, in a while, you luck out. What, and what go would to you? What would you listen to? 70. Well, I can tell you what I listened to. I, uh, I well, of course, back then you didn't have what you have to do today right. with uh, serious. You, you know the. Uh, uh, books on tape and right. things like that that you have, but I don't know. I mean, you listen to. Uh, I used to listen a lot to a radio as I was coming into a community. Um, they give you kind of a flavor, but right. a lot of times, believe it or not, I would um, listen to public uh, radio, Colorado right. public radio, on on what they call the Colorado Experience. I think they call it the Colorado experience about all the different communities or different interesting things in Colorado. And that gave me a lot of familiarity where I was going, you know, before I went into a community, a little history about the community. This is a wonderful state and a lot of interesting history. No kidding. I think that show might be called Colorado Matters and CPR is a good source of information. Yeah, you're right. That would yeah. be right. And it's excellent. And, uh, you know, today I listened to Audible. I just finished... Uh, of the aviators. I'm on the admirals right now. Um, I think the author, one of those one that wrote the book Forrest Gump. So these are good books, but you know, you had a lot to do in Congress and I had no good kidding. staffing. I had excellent staffing. In fact, Dana Perino, mm-hmm. uh, I brought Dana back to Washington. She was one of our outstanding, although we knew she was a superstar and she would, she'd be moving on. Uh, David Bernhardt who became secretary of the interior and David Bernhardt, by the way, and his brother both dropouts out of high school and uh, went on. His brother's a leading orthopedic surgeon, and David became Secretary of Interior. He was our lawyer for several years. Outstanding. I mean, Mike Hess, uh, Stephanie Finley. Uh, Mike Hess was my chief of staff. Stephanie Finley, who unfortunately just passed away from uh, cancer, horrible cancer in the family history. And um, I, I mean, I just could go through a whole list of what are now middle-aged people but at the time, were outstanding young people that uh, were really dedicated to serving our district. I mean, and with one exception, I don't think we ever hired anyone outside of our district. We had one exception, which I could spend 20 minutes talking about, a fantastic young man. But otherwise, our people, when we hired them, knew about our district and uh, were raised, for the most part, were raised in our district. Okay, here's a tribute test about Dana Perino. What Denver Elementary School did she attend? Um, I don't know she was born in Wyoming, I think. No, she ended up moving to Wyoming because her family yeah, was kind of like yours. There, but she, think, went to, she went to Ellis Elementary, Mexico and Dahlia for a while. I read her book. I've had her on, and I hope to get David Bernhardt on. I had his partner, Jason Dunn, on, but I'm excited to have you when you were in Congress serving those six terms, did you fly into Denver or to Grand Junction? Oh, How would yeah. you do it? And that was, I'll tell you, that was miserable, man. I mean, you'd get out of Congress at 5 or 7 o'clock, 5 in the afternoon, maybe 6.30, catch the late flight to Denver. And uh, remember that you're on Eastern time, so you're two hours ahead of Denver. So you arrive in Denver about 10 o'clock at night which means it was midnight in the time zone you're used to, so you probably are used to being asleep. And uh, so you arrive in Denver at 10 o'clock. Now, that works great for the rest of the Colorado delegation because they have their car parked at a VIP parking right there at the airport and run up 
you know, spend 20 minutes or maybe 45 minutes to Fort Collins or something to get to their house. Not my situation. In my situation, you uh, hopefully the flight was on time and hopefully the commuter airplane taking you to Grand Junction was still flying. They bumped those airplanes a lot, in my opinion, to if they had an overflow crowd to Aspen, they'd send them to Aspen and just cancel our flight. So if the flights were on time, you would get into Grand Junction probably around 11, 11.30 at night, somewhere around there, which is 1.30 or 2 o'clock D.C. time. And then early the next morning, uh, I'd either pick up an airplane here, uh, you know, we charter aircraft, or most times just jump in the uh, expedition and head to a function throughout the district. Gosh. So lots of travel. Or you'd... Of course, if I was going to Pueblo, which I did a lot, I loved Pueblo. It was it was great. Pueblo and Grand Junction really were fantastic in the district because they were so similar. So you'd, you'd get there, and then you'd have to drive down to Pueblo. Or um, I can remember one time I got in. The flight was late. I got in at 11, and there was a, a young 19-year-old, a young man about 19 years old, ready to drive me most of the night over the mountain passes and snowstorms. So I said, scoot over. <laughs> I'm driving. So in that particular case, I was awake for more than 24 hours. You but, say, uh, yeah, the, you, you, yeah, say hey. you catch that last flight on a Friday. How do you get that ticket? Is there Are there times where there's no ticket available, even though you're a congressman? No, no. Well, one Friday. And remember, Congress doesn't. I'm Obviously, I'm not there right now, but it's right. pretty much the same. Congress doesn't work Monday through Friday in Washington. There are a lot of times where you'd go in on a Monday afternoon and fly back on a Wednesday. I mean, Congress is, has an unusual work schedule. So actually, it was not very normal that I'd fly back on a Friday. It would be on a Thursday, so you usually wouldn't have the rush. And um, um, we never had problem booking tickets. Our problem was, is the commuter aircraft, and keep in mind that with the statewide delegation, when the delegation wanted to have a meeting in Denver, that was no problem for anybody except me. And for me, that was probably a two-day commitment to go to a meeting in Denver. Now, we didn't have Zoom, which came about really right. as a result of the pandemic. We didn't have the advantage of that. And we certainly didn't have the computer advantages that we have today. So there was a lot of management that had to go just into the travel scheduler, which is why we had a full-time scheduler just to take care of all the tickets. So I be honest with you, I never booked my own tickets. The scheduler took care of it because all I do when I interfered with those kind of responsibilities, I'd mess it up. So I, I don't think they had a problem getting tickets. Now tell everybody why you fancy yourself such a great driver. Because I bet it was born of the fact that you were a police officer in Clunwood Springs. You probably had to learn some driving tips in that job. Am I right? Oh, yeah. And I tell you a great story. One of the most meaningful lessons that I had. I went to the police academy. And at the police academy, you had to take a course on uh, high-speed driving. So I went to the police academy see, before I went to law school. And the, the instructor the, in the high-speed driving class said, okay, what do you use a siren for? I thought that was about the dumbest question I ever heard. I mean, it's pretty obvious what a police in an emergency vehicle, what you use a siren for. 
And so somebody in the room raised their hand and said, well, you use the siren to get through traffic. And he said, well, of course. He said, that answer is not what I'm looking for. He said, it's true. It helps you get through traffic. But the real purpose of that siren, and he said, you will physically feel it when you go out there and you're the first one on the scene of an accident or a fight or a crime. He said, is to, is to let people know help is on the way. And he said, the way you'll feel it. He said, that's the importance of that siren. He said, when you show up at a fight or you show up at an accident, you have three or four victims seriously hurt laying on the pavement. And you're just, you're the first responder. You're there first. And, and you're trying to, you know, prioritize. And in the background, you hear sirens coming in. You're going to feel kind of a relaxation in your body. Hey, help's on the way. That's what he said. He said, that sirens to let people know help is on the way. And I've never forgotten that. That's exactly what I think a mission as a congressman is, mission of first responder, mission of a school teacher, mission of doctors. Look, you got friends out there. Help us on the way. We're, we're in this together. So I always remember that from the police academy. That's really cool. And I do yeah. think you have that service heart that I wish more people did. And it's born of your love of Colorado, your home state. Not just your home state, it's the home state of your wife, your ancestors. I, I just love your dedication to Colorado. It's inspiring. Well, and that's, it's not unique to me. All the, you know, people that come here and it's, it's just, and, and I'll tell you, every time, even though I've driven it many, many times before, Every week when I got in that vehicle, I'd always notice something new. You never got bored. You never get bored driving in Colorado. Even when it's that straight highway going into Kansas, for example, this last year, last spring, Lori and I went, and it was green from Denver clear to Hayes, Kansas. Now, when does that ever happen? It's because they were such a great year last year in water. It was like a golf course from Denver clear to Hayes, Kansas. It's just beautiful. I mean, it's just Great state, great history, but, you know, change happens, and some of us older folks, you know, a little uncomfortable, maybe. I understand. You you have to admit that once you get to Kansas, it gets kind of boring and ugly after that. But Colorado. Well, I didn't say Kansas where I I was talking about the beauty. I was talking about Colorado's beauty, although I will admit I I got in a little trouble. I had to go to a military academy school in Kansas for a year when I was a young man. So. Um, I agree with you about Kansas, but there are a lot of good people in Kansas, a lot of good people in Texas where I went to law school. But I bet you have more affection for your neighbor to the West, Utah, because McGinnis Canyonlands is part of Colorado and part of Utah. And just driving. Yeah. So expand on Utah. I bet you love Utah. I do love Utah. And I told my. I would always tell my colleagues from Utah that in Colorado, there was a huge mistake made, and that is that the western boundary of Colorado wasn't drawn far enough west. We should have had eastern Utah, like Moab Moab, and the Canyon, the national parks. Utah is a great state, and and, uh, also, as you know, heavy Mormon population, and of course, my district has a heavy Mormon population, and uh, uh, I always deeply respected uh, the Mormon uh, religion and the, and the priorities they give on their on family, on their missions they send their young people on. I mean, we could go into a lot of things. So Utah's a great state. Yeah, we're surrounded by great states. New Mexico, Wyoming, I mean, geez. Uh, 
And by the way, several of those states depend on our water. So and we're going to get we to that get water. We're going to, yeah, we're that's what here. makes Colorado great. And I just took that drive from Flagstaff to Denver, going through, or by Durango, up through Pagosa Springs, Del Norte. And you think about when Colorado was part of uh, the Republic of Texas. You know all that history. It's so rich. But I agree with you totally. When I drive around, it's like a museum. The whole southwestern Colorado River Basin, it's amazing what's around the next curve in terms of a rock or a structure or a town. It takes your breath away. Do you ever get tired of it? I never did. I never did. I mean, I found something new every time and always uh, a couple of interesting things. I always found something new. And I also, interestingly, um, came across um, accidents more often than normal because I drove so much. So it was not unusual at all to come across an accident. So we carried first aid kits and things like that to help out. And uh, But, you know, very few people in Broomfield, Colorado or Fort Collins, they don't have any idea that a lot of their water comes from the Colorado River. I mean, the Colorado River doesn't just run west. It's the, that those diversions. I don't know. I think probably well, easily over a half a million acre feet, maybe 550,000 acre feet or so, and come out of the Colorado River and diverted to communities like Fort Collins and Broomfield. Most folks, my guess would be, have no idea that, that how important that river is for them and their communities. We're going to get to all that's going on in current events, that House of Representatives where you served, all the big names that you know, but you're acting like you're some kind of expert on the Colorado River. You'd almost think that you might be the Mesa County Director for the Colorado River District. Is that true? You're still working? Oh, yeah, sure. And I'm honored to be the uh, representative on the board. The Colorado River District kind of the, it is the agency that's charged with the interests of the Colorado River. That's very broadly speaking, but um, that's our guardian angel on the on the river and, and to protect our interests on the Colorado River, interests uh, broadly stated, but in agriculture and so on. It's a 15-member board, and it's a very cohesive board. It's a very active board. This isn't a, a board that meets every once in a while. This is a board that I mean, in good times, it may be a little boring because nobody's upset about water when they turn on the faucet and the water comes out. But when we hit that drought two years ago, and then even this year was fantastic, uh, that board's a very active board. So I, I enjoy it, and it's, uh, it's, it's critical, and it's kind of Denver has the Denver Water Board. The Colorado River has the Colorado River Conservation District. Yes, it's fascinating. And those of us who are native, we take pride in the fact that Colorado is the source of so many great rivers. All the controversy about immigration through the Rio Grande and there in Del Norte, that's the headwaters of the Rio Grande. And then you have the Arkansas flowing through Pueblo, which you've talked about so lovingly. And then the Platte, which I followed when I went to cover the Iowa caucuses one year. You just follow the Platte and you're there. And, and But then the Colorado River, the importance of it is dawning on America. These rivers are really critical to Colorado. And it's cool that you are so involved in that. Has that always been a passion of yours? I suppose so. You were on the Natural well, Resources I mean, family, Committee. You know, my family, with the history we've had, has been in ranching and banking and so on and so forth. And 
very dependent on the river. And my father, along with some of his friends after World War II, created what they called the Glenwood Navy. So I was born and raised in Glenwood Springs. And they had what they called the Glenwood Navy. And these are veterans. And they got some big old rubber ass that take five good-sized people to lift those rafts just off the trailer. The pump form weighed about 70 pounds. And uh, you never saw any rafts on the Colorado River, the Roaring Fork, unless it was one of those eight or ten rafts that the Glenwood Navy had. I mean, there were no... You saw people with homemade rafts on a like a pallet with a stick trying to go down the river, but and kayaks and things maybe, but nothing like today. So you oh, wait uh, a second. Did you get to ride on that as a little boy? Oh no, of course. I mean, are you kidding me? When and so my dad and his buddies, they didn't do it for commercial purposes. They all had different businesses. They did it for fun. So they would always invite their friends like from the east side of the state or something, come on over, we'll go rafting. Well, my dad and mom had six kids, and so the boys were all expected to be guides. And I'll tell you, back then, drinking was very popular. So you'd you'd be a guide on one of these boats, a guide kind of informal. We didn't have any training or anything. We just had been on the rafts a lot. I'll tell you, that Colorado River, when I graduated from high school, Went to high and went away for college. I swore that was the last time I was going to stick my foot in the Colorado River. That river's cold in the middle of July. I mean, it was snow just before it heads down to see you. You know, it snows every month of the year in Colorado. Now, not in the valleys, but up on the mountaintops. That river was cold, but that's what we would do in the drinking. There'd always be somebody that had too much to drink and they'd fall out of the raft. And those life jackets back then. They were only good for a little bit, maybe a half an hour before they got water soaked and you'd sink because of the life jacket. So you didn't have a lot of time to get in the river, pull these people that were intoxicated, get them on the side of the raft, get them in the raft. <laughs> I look back at it and just laugh. But back then, we we and the other boy and the other, and they primarily were the boys at that time, but um these families and great families were involved in this. We're probably eight or ten families, and um, a lot of those families are still their kids, grandkids, great grandkids are still in the valley, but they're not rafting. The raft looks like an interstate highway with orange cones right now. The Colorado River, it's way over utilized. And you know, the Colorado River is pretty interesting. I mean, it has more dams probably than any river in the country, I guess. I think we have about 15 dams, and uh, there's a lot of interesting things about. Colorado. And no Lots kidding. of fascinating things that make this state so unique amongst any of the other states uh, in the continent. No, it's, it's you that is fascinating. No wonder you are so popular. You know, I hang out with Scott. You get to go on the raft. It's his dad well, is the commander of the Navy, and you get to drink beer. I just think well, you've led the coolest they all had rank, too. I think my dad was an admiral or something. Anyway, it was pretty funny. We were nothing but the guys. You know, like Colorado River, that's the most litigated river in the United States. Not only has the most dams, but it's the most litigated. Now it's a small river when you look at something like the Mississippi. Right. I think it runs probably the longest river. I don't know. Maybe the Mississippi is. But at any rate, um, and our mountains, you know, look at our state. We... We're, we have the highest mean elevation on the North American continent. We don't have the highest mountain, 
But of the 64, you know this stat, what, 64, 65 mountains over 14,000 feet, we have, this is generally, I think we have 58 of them or something like that. And the beauty of the district I represented, Craig, I, this is great. Most of my colleagues vacationed in my district, my congressional district or the, our congressional district, because I had all the ski resorts, I had right. resorts, I had all the national forests, I had almost all the public lands. I mean, and I, I used to laugh that I was the only congressman that without question on a regular basis could have charges for hotels and so on in Aspen or Vale or Crested Butte or... <laughs> well, let me ask you this. I mean, if you're so smart and you were living out there... Why didn't you buy What's up? That? Why didn't you guys buy up Aspen back in the day? Did you see that coming when you were a kid? No, of course. Anybody that would have seen it coming would have bought something. But um, remember, that was the coal mining. And but what's happened? I'll tell you what's happened because in remember um, I twenty five is kind of a good divider. So generally speaking, my district was I twenty five west, carve out the big city part of it. From Wyoming to New Mexico, and, and that's also about where the public lands really start. Now, you have some public lands in eastern Colorado, but it's almost all private. In western Colorado, it's almost all government. For example, in Mesa County, 76% of our land in Mesa County is owned by the federal government. And of the remaining private property, so the, what remains is private property, I estimate from 22 to 26% of the private property in this county is now controlled by conservation easements that lock up the land in perpetuity. And uh, uh, the average in a county in the state of Colorado is about 2% of their private lands tied up in conservation easements. Ours, we've had a lot of wealth come in here and they're locking up the land. Same thing happened in Aspen and it's gone all the way down the valley. We have excluded the average Joe or average Jane and their family from being able to own property because uh, there's just not a lot of private land. And uh, what happens because of the beauty is the wealth comes in and they buy these ranches. And the, I mean, who would ever imagine the ranches going for hundreds of times what the value of the ranch would be if you did base valuation just on production of cattle. It's location, location, location. And, that's what happened to Aspen, Basalt, Glenwood Springs, is we've excluded middle-income folks from being able to live in those locations, and it's the very wealthy. And I mean, if you looked at the private jets that come into this district, whether it's, well, the way the district I used to have it, Mark, you don't, that's a story for another day, but they now have Vail, I guess, in that congressional district. But when you look at the Vail Airport, the Eagle Vail Airport, the Aspen Airport, the airport in Montrose, all the private jets, and people that have these homes, it's, it's changed a lot. And it's changed because we, you know, it's become very exclusive and that's not good. That's not good for any community. And it's not good for our, for Western Colorado, but it's what's happening. Right. But it sounds like if you were still in Congress, you would be trying to do something about it. And, uh, I wish you were still in Congress because your dedication to Colorado and the United States is great. You talked about being on that NATO uh, committee out of America, and we will get to that eventually. I admired so much what you did for the Western Slope. And now that house where you served with distinction for six terms, it's in disarray. 
What what do you have to say, Congressman, about what's happened this week with the uh, motion to vacate against Kevin McCarthy as Speaker succeeding? Well, it's shameful. It's embarrassing to the country and on the Democratic side, too. I mean, for for one person, and it was self-imposed by the Speaker of the House when he agreed to the rule that one person like that Gats guy out of Florida, who's nothing but a huckster in my opinion, um, and everything I'm saying to you is my opinion. I'm not speaking for any group or anything else, but um, I mean, I I got a fundraising letter. Uh, It was not a personal one. It was one sent out on the computer. He probably sent millions of money from that Gats guy as soon as he started doing this stuff. And the Democrats, just for the sake of the House, for the reputation, for the for the for the protocol of the House, should never have allowed this to happen. To vote in a block like that, um, I, I just from so many different angles, I have yet to find one good reason for what occurred this last week to have occurred. It was a fundraising scam, in my opinion. And it's uh, it was a group of eight people that, uh, you know, this caucus, my feeling of the Freedom Caucus is, uh, as, as it's been referred to by other people, burn it all down. And it's hard to deal with people when you care about your district and you care about governance. When you've got people that say, you know, they enjoy the fruit of the tree, but they want to cut all the trees down just for the publicity they get. I mean, it's very difficult to deal in today's atmosphere. And uh, um, doggone it, this country's got a lot of problems. And I'm an optimist, but I'll tell you, if you look at the status of our military from the cuts, we've lived on our laurels that we're the strongest country in the history of the world. Our military is not anymore. China has, in 10 years, went from 30 ships, maybe 15 years, 30 ships to over 400. They have more naval ships than we do. They've got hypersonic missiles. We can't even figure out how to use one. We're putting future generations clearly in the way of a future war and a takeover by some, and this isn't some conspiracy theory. I mean, we're just, we have our, our schools. I mean, there's just so much that we've got to, we've got to come to, to our senses. And the primary example of where we've gone astray is the uh, political situation in Washington on both sides of the aisle. Well, let's uh, let's, mean, let's focus on this Matt Gates character because I think you've identified uh, a miscreant, a bad guy, not a person dedicated to doing public good like you were and still are, and so he's a villain. And the question is: Is he out of control? Can anybody control him? Clearly, Kevin McCarthy could not, but I'd submit that Donald Trump could. And I submit to you. Oh, Donald Trump is one of them, in my opinion. But um, right, right. But but just just hear me out. Go ahead. But just remember, Craig, this is not private business. (laughs) Or um, uh, and and I always tell people this. I said, look, this is kind of a unique situation. You can't fire the Speaker of the House. Can't fire anybody. In fact, what I saw happening all the time, and it was a real issue for me, was that when we had some tough legislation and you, 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 you're you governing, the people that misbehaved got the most rewards. So, for example, let's say we had uh, something on, let's say we had a Medicare bill or something, or some big deal. Mm-hmm. 
and the voting was going to be very close. The people that held out, just like this Freedom Caucus or some of this right, some of these people that are way out there, the people that held out or said they were going to vote with the other side got rewarded. I mean, I would be, I can remember some votes where that we, we needed votes of some of our colleagues. And um, I would, you know, I would vote with what I thought was the proper thing. And they would vote, they'd be on the other side, but then the speaker would go to them. And what do you know, they're going to change their vote to come on board with the rest of the team. But guess what they come with? They get a new bridge or they get a new highway or they get this. You can't fire a congressman. The only people who can fire a congressman, and I say that, uh, congressman, congresswomen, congresspersons, um, you can't fire them. What happens? They get rewarded. Right. And it's just like these people, this Gats and other people like that. Um, you know, they have to try and get make some kind of deal with them so that they can get something done. And I, I went through that when I was majority leader. Yeah. Can the House work without a speaker? No, it can't work without me. I mean, they have a system set up after 9-11 where the speaker would submit a list of who should become the speaker pro tem, but the speaker pro tem does not have the broad policy. For example, he's not in the line of succession, he or she. And when I say he, so we don't get any semantic right. problems. No, no, here. no, no problem. But, 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 but no there. legislation can really move without a speaker. No, they can't. And he's not in the line. He or she is not in the line of right. succession. So, and, so, uh, so, so, do you know these guys? I imagine you know a lot of the characters. Kevin McCarthy. Do you know him? I I know, but I didn't work with a lot of them. I mean, you know, years have gone by, and right. and. People transition sure. on and stuff. But, what about uh, what about Steve Scalise? Uh, I've met I've met Steve. I think he's uh, Steve. I think he's capable. He's got a big issue though. You know, I mean, you can't you can't run away from age. And uh, if Trump is elected, I think he'll be the oldest president in the history of the United States to uh, the day he's sworn in. So the he'll be the oldest to ever been sworn in as president. Biden is self-explanatory. He's totally incapable of being the president of the United States. And it's the same thing when you, you know, Steve, I, I, I mean, some people are saying, well, you're not being politically correct. But the reality of it, Steve's got a big challenge with his own health. Right. And and you have to you have to look at that. The same thing. Look at over in the United States Senate with the Fetterman or whatever his name is. Come on. I mean, people are so skittish. Don't you dare talk about are they capable of doing this or capable of doing that? And they brush under the rug health issues. They brush under the rug age issues. And it's really hurting this country. And I'll tell you, in Russia and China, if you think they have much woke or political correctness in their military, they don't. They're trying to kill and they're trying to, with Iraq, with North Korea, um, um, with uh, Iran, uh, um, Israel. I mean, they have a very specific, well-trained mission. And uh, like Japan, planning for World, World War II, we just ignored it until it hit us. This time, we won't have the advantage of time, and it could be the last war we engage in. Uh, you're scaring me, especially that part about Donald Trump getting elected. But we'll get to that. What about Kevin Hearn? Do you know that guy? From Oklahoma, I've met, I, I, I I can't really say I know him because I don't work with him. What about Jim Jordan? He's too young to know you, right? No, I don't. Well, and, and remember, I uh, I know these people, but not uh, some like Kevin. I don't know him on or Steve on 
You, you know, I probably have Can I ask you this as a fellow lawyer? That's about Jim Jordan. I mean, it may be surface and shallow, but the guy went to Capital Law School, which is a really low-ranked law school in Columbus, Ohio. That's okay. He wanted to be a lawyer. So did you. So did I. And then we set for the bar exam, and we passed. We became a lawyer. Jim Jordan either failed the bar, never took the bar. Why would a guy go to law school if he doesn't want to be a lawyer? I, I don't understand that. Why would he be the head of the House Judiciary Committee? Can't they find somebody with an actual law license? I don't know. Is that shallow well, I don't on know. my and part? I, uh, you know, and again, our system was designed. We probably have less requirements, qualification requirements to be a U.S. senator or um, a U.S. congressman or probably even on your city council or things like that. Um to to hold that office and that and it's good because our forefathers wanted to make sure that all walks of life were represented in their government and uh you know take a look at david bernard who dropped out of high school now obviously he was brilliant he's david i think he's a a great lawyer now college and law and all that stuff an outstanding individual but you know we had um People of all different walks of life, so that our you have fair representation. So, did our, know, did our founders? Oh, yeah, did our, now, yeah. Go ahead. No, did our founders really envision Lauren Boebert? Well, now look, and Lauren's no different than a lot of other people as far as walks of life, and uh, and what I'm amazed in is Lauren is constantly attacked, but her opponent out of Aspen had his own issue up there with an alleged bribe and things like that in Aspen. Completely, it, there there is not an equitable system in, in Washington. There's a clear, strong bias by the national media. There are exceptions, of course, New York Post, Wall Street Journal, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a strong bias towards who can sin and who cannot sin. It is not, it's not a judicial system that's theoretically supposed to be fair at all. So back there, and, and the Lauren Boebert situation is exactly the same. She messes up in the theater. That gets all kinds of stuff. The guy that ran against her has a problem with when he was on city council, alleged His bribes or whatever. Adam that's Frisch, all, Adam uh, That's all alleged. It, right, and, it, right. Uh, but it was kind of discredited by the Aspen Times or Aspen Daily well, of News. Of course it was by the I, Aspen Times. I know, Times. but there weren't pictures. All they showed was him riding a bicycle. Oh, and then no, there was no, an no. allegation that Adam had sex with somebody in a, a storage shed. I didn't oh. see the video, but I did see Lauren Boebert. Everybody's been watching it on the uh, late night I'm shows. Not, hey, hey, Craig, I'm correct. I'm not justifying either case. And I'm not saying these are just my opinions, and I'm not aware of the facts, and, uh, and nor have I spoken to either one of them directly about their situation. So I'm, I probably don't have it. I'm just saying that. You know, they're human, too. Right. And, and, and I mean, you could look at the Catholic Church, and they have a small fraction of their priests that misbehave. And when you look at the United States Congress, I mean, they just sentenced a fellow that I served with to the federal penitentiary for insider information. And one of them was, we had a flying ace that was convicted of um, taking uh, fun or um, accepting bribes sure. to... Uh, in the military, from military defense contract, and he was a flying ace. He went to federal prison. So you can pick a small percentage, 
Generally, though, and that's the shame of what's happened this last week. You have, what, four, eight people that, along with the Democrats, were able to put that the House of Representatives in complete chaos. And now, one, of the, one, of those eight, one of those eight was Ken Buck. Surely you know Congressman Buck. I do. Sure, I know Ken. Well, what, do know you, Ken what, do you make, well. what do you make of his uh, decision to be part of that gang of eight? I don't understand it. And I haven't talked to him about it, and I'm not sure he considers uh, uh, my inquiry or any of I mean, he's not my district, so I'm not sure he'd consider my business. But um, I like Ken. I just I saw Ken just a month ago. I was surprised by that. But in fairness to Ken, um, I've dealt with Ken for many, many years, and he's been a very fine Congress, very logical guy. So I don't understand it, but I've not had a discussion with him. And in fairness to hear what he has to say or what his justification was. Well, he seems to be ducking a lot of people he normally talks to. And it's interesting to see the long knives come out. I expect you saw that piece in conservative publications attacking Dick Wadhams, another guy who was a guest about five or six shows ago. What's going on with the Colorado GOP right now? Is it in good shape or bad shape? It's in the worst shape in my entire career. I mean, the, the, effectively, the state party was um, is now controlled by a group of people that I think, I mean, trying to eliminate a primary and things like that, it makes no sense to me. And I think the state party unfortunately, is as, is as in a bad a situation as it's been in the history of the state, I would guess. I agree with you. And that guy, Dave Williams, who wanted to change his name? I don't to- even know Dave if I saw him in a grocery store, and I don't really participate. I mean, I they're bound and determined to do their own thing. And, you know, one privilege that I had, Craig, and I was lucky, I served 30 years in public office. That includes being a county commissioner. 30 years in public office, and I only served in the minority for two years out of the 30. And uh, so it's a little probably not appropriate for me to be criticizing people when I I only served two years in the minority, so I didn't have it too rough. Being in the minority is a whole different thing. And right, but you did it responsibly. But whatever his reasoning is, uh, and, and what's happened, too, is the um, – the political money that's come into Colorado, whether it's 90% of the funding to reintroduce wolves or whether it's the mass that tens of millions of dollars that have come into Colorado from outside forces, the campaign system is really messed it up. So it's got a lot of outside influence and I, but it's in tough shape. I don't care how it's in very, very tough shape. And to the question that, are they ever going to win an office in the next decade? I mean, the way it's going right now, it's going to be very difficult to win a statewide office as a Republican. I just want to have future elections. I'm real worried. I'm worried about Russia and the situation in Ukraine. I see a bully attacking a sovereign democratic country. I support America coming to the aid of Ukraine. How about you? Oh, look, look I'm on NATO. Was on NATO. I'm not on NATO. I was on the parliamentary arm of NATO in Congress. So that was several years ago. There is no question what's happening over there. If the United States doesn't stand strong with Ukraine right now, Poland is next. And it's exactly what Russia has done in the past with Czechoslovakia, 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's no question we've got to stop. And the, and, and the beauty of this thing is we are forcing Russia to expend a lot of their resources, which surprised everybody, the poor performance they're getting out of their military. Um, so I am, I'm a strong supporter and, and for the life of me, don't understand why the House of Representatives, some members, again, that small group of people, because the vote margin is so close, uh, are demanding that no funding for Ukraine. Well, look, uh, I, think I, I, I love your passion on this. Mistake not to support you, the, the Ukraine. We don't have any choice. I mean, look, you, you either... You either participate in this stuff or you get eliminated. I mean, there's no question about it. The U.S. is you, – you go ahead and give – this theory of appeasement, and I have friends who believe in appeasement. This theory of appeasement and just kiss the Russians on their hand and they'll be nice to you, that's as suicidal as you can get. And China, by the way, China's a lot different than Russia. Obviously, much, much stronger, much, much larger. I think the Texas economy is probably bigger than the Russian economy. You look at China. I mean, our spy satellites picked up 300 silos they were building last year for their new nuclear capacity. And and what are we doing? I mean, there's a lot of frustration that you can feel if you look at the negligence that's going on in the governance under the current representatives, a bunch of them on both sides of the aisle. I mean, it's, and I, and you know, for the Democrats, you, you know, I, I question and would apply the Republicans too, but to the Democrats, look, why did you vote in block? This is an abortion or something like this. This is for the governance of the House of Representatives. Are you telling me not one of you Democrats, not one of you Democrats think that the governance and the and the status of the House of Representatives and the importance of the speaker, not one of you could vote to retain McCarthy as speaker of the House? I mean, the minority, it's not your mission to destroy. And when they vote in block like that, and the Republicans, I mean, governance has got to be the top priority, in my opinion, of any elected official, whether it's a city council or not, you have to you have an obligation to govern. Right. But the and Democrats. What happened must... this last week in the House of Representatives, as I said to begin this conversation, was shameful, was disgusting, unjustified. Right. And the people that suffer are the people that they go out on the campaign trail and promise to represent them and be represented in their best interest. That's not what happened this last week on, for either party. I love your passion on this subject. And I think that 20 years ago when you were in the House, I think the position you just enunciated in support of NATO and Ukraine would have been shared by, what, 90, 95% of your conference? But right now, the stats are the other way. And over 50% of the House Republicans don't favor further aid to Ukraine. And I'm telling you that Lauren Boebert is part of that problem. She's opposite of you. And I think there are other big forces in the Republican Party. And we can agree, can't we, uh, Congressman, that Vladimir Putin is a mad dog criminal capable, capable of doing almost anything, as he proved when he just slaughtered dozens more in Ukraine yesterday, right? No, that's right. And, and keep in mind that 
part of this is, look, this is a lethal game, a worldwide game. There's, there's no way, you know, you hear people talk about, well, let's just kiss and love and kumbala and all that kind of stuff. That's not how it's played. And that's not what's happening. The pre- our president was so incapable, clear up to the day Russia invaded Ukraine, he kept assuring the American people, if he could remember what he was talking about, he would, he, he assured the American people, this is not going to take place. They're just massing all these forces. It's the same thing we're doing. We're ignoring China and the buildup. The, the Chinese have the biggest did military. Didn't did Biden warn Ukraine they were about to be attacked? Wasn't it Zelensky who was in denial? I just remember that history a little different. Oh, no. Biden, Biden, I remember Biden's history. Biden was saying clear up to the last day. Well, I don't, they're not going to invade. He didn't say they were going to. He did not warn they were going to. He thought they were bluffing. Okay, but, but they have. That, well, we it, don't need to debate that. The question is, yeah, what, yeah, do, we do? what, do, what do we do? What do we do moving say, forward? Craig, yeah. Yeah. Craig, what I want to say is, yes. China right now is undergoing the largest military buildup in yes. the history of the world yes. by far. The history, and we're ignoring it. We're pretending that we're still the mightiest force, and it's no threat to us. And frankly, we're being diverted by Russia. Yes. And letting China get away with this. I mean, I was always stunned. And you saw what Obama said years ago when he whispered into the Russian guy, said, don't worry about the missile defense. And we'll get that. rid of it as yes. soon as I get elected. I mean, we're just ignoring it. And this, it, it is a repeat of history of Japan and Germany. I'm with you. Society. I'm with you. We've got to get tough, right? We've got to get Reagan type tough. So let's put you back representing the third district. And what are you going to do in this speaker race now that... Jim Jordan has said, Ukraine's no priority for me. Why don't you say, well, then we need a different speaker? Well, what's going to remember that you have the Senate, too, and the Senate, uh, the Republican senators uh, favor the Ukraine. And this there's some, you know, you have this kind of positioning that that goes on. But in the end, you've got to come to some kind of governance. You have to run it. You can't just burn everything down. You can't just. You know, I don't think, in my opinion, with several of those individuals, although in fairness, I haven't talked to them, but my perception of several of those individuals, Ukraine just happened to be the thing they could object to. They're just out there searching for something to burn down. And that's exactly how I feel on a number of different issues. And by God, you got to govern the. You, while we're not governing this country, this country is just multiplying out of control the problems that we face, whether it's the military problems, whether it's our oil, our fossil fuel problems. I mean, this is, we've got a, it's frustrating. You know, I I thought maybe as I got older, maybe I was getting a little caustic about things, but I really think it goes beyond that. I, I think deeply speaking, there are a lot of people that say, look, we need to bring people to the, to their, you know, bring them to attention. But we don't burn everything down. We have to have some governance, and we have to have a military defense. I mean, and we have to accept our responsibilities in the world, as well as our responsibilities to the states, to the cities, and most of all, our responsibilities to the people that we represent. All right. Not and, yes, and you, and you called out the Democrats for abdicating their responsibility. Kevin McCarthy was a lot of bad things in my judgment. He's done horrible things, 
Then he went on Face the Nation and he blamed the Dems for the possible government shutdown, and that pissed them off. And maybe he would have gotten their votes if he hadn't tried to put Jim Jordan on the January 6th committee when he's clearly a witness and stuff like that. But maybe they should have done what you said for the larger purpose of saving Ukraine, democracy, and the rest of us. And maybe five or six of them should have gone over, but they didn't. But won't that be the choice now for Republicans? Jim Jordan, who will cut up aid to Ukraine, or how about five or six Republicans supporting Hakeem Jeffries to make sure Ukraine survives? Could you uh, tell some Republicans to do that? Well, keep in mind that this game goes two ways. First of all, I'm not I'm criticizing both parties. Second of all, don't forget right now the Democrats have a lot of leverage after they saw what these eight did. And right now, and let me tell you what could happen. You may have eight moderates, or I guess all they really need is four moderates, depending on the count. You could have them all of a sudden pick up a phone and call Liz Cheney in Wyoming and say, hey, Liz, we think we can get all the Democrats to vote in block like they do. Get them to vote in block, and we'll give you the four votes you need on our side of the aisle, and let's make Liz Cheney the uh, Speaker of the House. I mean, they're playing a very dangerous game. And it's a game to them. It's nothing. It's not. It's just kind of a burn down. And by the way, all eight of those people, first of all, they all came from very safe districts. They're all from safe districts. And I don't know about Ken Buck. I haven't gotten anything from Ken Buck. But from the others, just routine email fundraising, using this as that kind of opportunity. But it can. And I'll tell you, just think of that. All you need to do to make Liz Cheney Speaker of the House, and I'll tell you, they'd wipe out the conservative, the right-wing conservative. And I'm a conservative, but I'm not that kind of fanatical like some of those are. But you, this game can switch very quickly, and that's why you need the stability of the institution itself, which surprised me that the Democrats, every darn one of them, every one of them voted against the integrity of the institution Simply because they saw an opportunity to put a spear in, you know, put a spear in the animal. I don't know. What do you think of Liz Cheney? What's that? What do you think of Liz Cheney? Are you a friend? Well, I don't or know foe? Liz Cheney, but I knew her father, and I'll tell you, her father was somebody that uh, I could sleep pretty comfortable at night, knowing that he was in charge of. Uh, uh, you know, Secretary of Defense and then Vice President, and I thought he did an outstanding job in uh, 9-11. And uh, when Dick Cheney spoke, he meant it. And Dick Cheney, you would have never seen what occurred this last week. I can't think of any leader, Democrat or Republican, that you would have seen what occurred this last week. Bill Clinton, this would have never occurred under Bill Clinton. Certainly wouldn't have occurred under, um, I just can't think of somebody that would have allowed this to happen to the institution. I guess 100 years ago, they tried it and did it maybe, but I have my gripes with Dick Cheney, but I agree that he speaks from conviction on a lot of things. And he has called out Donald Trump as the scourge of the Republican Party. Of course, his daughter has taken him on, but so has the father. And he's released some videos, and I respect him. I think your Republican Party has really changed. And I'm worried about white Christian nationalism. Are you the association with the Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, radical groups, well, even, bigoted you know, groups? All that kind of stuff. Let me tell you, there's you got fanatics, and that's one that's 
getting all the attention and I don't affiliate with any of those people or any of that kind of stuff. And, and Donald Trump, I, I think the Republicans, uh, if, if they get the right candidate, and in my opinion, Donald Trump is not the right candidate. I don't think he will be the candidate despite all the numbers right now. I mean, you're a lawyer. What are the odds of winning 91 out of 91? Well, he, he's he's going to try to avoid it. If he, he'll, well, he'll, he'll never he's show up at these he's trials. He's going, he's going broke. He's just going to be like the pillow he's, guy. He's not going broke because he has MBS and Putin behind him with unlimited money. You've well, already identified dark say, money. His personal, his personal finances. You, you watch what happens. You don't think I mean, you don't think Putin and MBS would back him? They already let his son-in-law no, control two billion. Well, you do know because there's dark well, money. I don't know what, I'm not. You know, Trump doesn't pick up the phone and call me. I know, but, but I you can you just, can see these guys funneling money through the Live Golf Tour to his well, golf Well, why courses. don't we talk? Well, I mean, look, let's. Why don't we talk about how much money Obama sent over to Iran? We're on talking those about Donald Trump there. right now, and the you and I are in agreeing. I know, but Trump or, is a or big something problem. else, Craig. Why don't you take a look? Let me. Why does it? Let's see what happens when Biden finally announces his deal with Iran here in the next month. How much money? I mean, we're just such Scott, suckers. Scott, 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 we're both, we're, I mean, both, we're both old law enforcers, okay? I love the fact that you were a cop, Agreed. all right? And, you know, you had to make right. a lot of big decisions. And you've already said, let, let's leave old Joe off the table for now because I think it's comparing apples and watermelons. As we speak, it's come out that Trump was telling some Australian and Mar-a-Lago about all our nuclear secrets surrounding submarines. And it's been verified, investigated, and that's not even one of the 91 felonies. You and I have been involved in murder cases. I bet you arrested some people for murder and whatnot. They did not want to face consequences. They did not want to show up for their trial. They wanted you to disappear before you could testify. Donald Trump is going to try to win the Republican nomination, and even though you oppose him, I think your party has given over to MAGA, and it's sad. And so so if he is the nominee, I hear people say, well, he's better than Biden. No, he's not. He is sui generis. He's a criminal. He's committed countless crimes. What I'm saying, though, Craig, is out of 400 million people or whatever we have, I just can't believe this country. The only two right. candidates we have so far running right. for president. I mean, the two leading candidates are Joe Biden, who and you can't just write him off the table. He's the president of the United yes. States and and Donald Trump. I mean, we've got better candidates on both sides. This country needs better candidates. And uh, so my I'm, I'm very open. I'm pretty excited about the bench that the Republican Party has. You know, Nikki's fantastic. I like Ron DeSantis. He's run things. I mean, there's some options. And on the Democratic side, they have better choices, too. In fact, I'm stunned that they that they're I'm stunned. Both parties are going with the two candidates that are the leading candidates right now. I just again, it comes back to governance and what's best for the future of this nation. And in my opinion, neither one of those candidates can lead us there. Can we agree on this? That uh, Putin is ruthless and super rich through oil. Same with MBS. They're both murderers, okay? They're both patrons of Donald Trump. They want him to win. They know if he wins, the Ukraine war will be decided for Russia. 
and they're going to finance that to the hilt. And insofar as what happened in the House, Matt Gates would not have gone forward without the blessing of Donald Trump. Donald Trump now gets to install Jim Jordan, who has pledged to undermine Ukraine. And Jim Jordan will do everything in his power to defeat the prosecutions of Donald Trump. That's what I see going on. And I yeah, think that you know Donald what, Trump right, is there, manipulating there, yeah. all of this. Well, it may be. I don't know about But I agree. I'm not, Look, I'm no fan of Donald Trump. That's obvious from our conversation. But I can tell you, don't forget, you don't have the, the, all the Republican congressional people are not part of this Freedom Caucus. They're not. You have a lot of moderates. You have a lot of take a look at how many people supported McCarthy. What, mm-hmm. 212 right. or something like that? Right. So what you've got is you've got 3% of the party there, right? A little more that didn't maybe win another way. I don't know, but around 3%. So when you when you get in there, don't I wouldn't make the assumption that any one of the candidates you just mentioned are going to become speaker. I think they're going to have a very difficult time finding a speaker because you're they're going to have to have their votes too. They, you know, you can play with. They, they lucked out. The, the sun and the moon lined up for them right there to get to be able to throw that speaker out. But there's a lot of bitterness, and I don't see Jordan or anyone else at this point. I wouldn't bet on any one of them becoming the speaker. Now you're making me happy. How will it end? Some moderate we never heard of, a coalition candidate, some bipartisanship. Well, or keep in mind, you can have the liberal, you can have some moderates, probably not a lot of liberal Republicans, but you could have some moderate Republicans go to the Democrats and say, hey, let's have a, let's cut a deal here. You know, you guys support Liz Cheney, we'll we'll nominate Liz Cheney. You don't have to be, although that's subject to debate in the Constitution, but theoretically, you don't have to be um, a member of Congress to become the speaker. And guess what? Then guess what those concerned that, that Freedom Caucus? They'll get wiped out. That's the problem when I hear people say, Craig, we need a three-party system or multiple parties. This is the perfect example of why you do not want a third-party system. You can't have a little teeny group, 3.5%, which in Israel and places like that where they have multiple parties, one party with just a small fraction of the votes can control everything. And that's exactly what we saw this last week. A group of four people or eight people, whatever it was, were able to do what they've done. Well, I'm, and, happy, uh, I'm happily unaffiliated, but I look over at your Republican Party and I say, gosh, I hope Scott McGinnis prevails over the Trumper types. But I don't see you swinging hard enough. You ask me about the 91 felonies, I ask you. I make him guilty on every one of them. Which charges concern you the most? Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously. The, I mean, what uh, about January sixth? Well, you know, I mean, he's going. I think he's going to have a very difficult time explaining the retention of those papers in Mar-a-Lago. I mean, the military, and I'll tell you, military people I talked to, and I did not serve in the military because Vietnam had just ended. But if you take a look, the military people I know. When, when one of their own breaches top secret documents, they don't take that very lightly. And they despise that kind of thing. And so I think he's going to have a big challenge there. Um, I think financially, th- he's getting ramrodded on this thing in New York City. I mean, to to, to take uh, the, the property, fine him $250 million. On, you have no victims. 
because he's overpriced his property. And by the way, everyone, my friends I talk to, and I ask them the value of their house, especially in a good economy, they all overstate it. Well, my house, I think my house could be worth this, worth that. So I don't think that, I think the New York thing is going to do a lot of damage to him financially. I think that he's got the uh, civil rape case stuff that he's dealing with. And, and uh, I mean, I wouldn't want to be Trump's lawyer. He'd be the worst client in the whole world. No kidding. But there are lies. Uh, but, but Scott, Scott, well, Scott. I don't know Scott, what's the worst. But, Scott, but regardless. Well, let's talk. My point, but my point, Craig, regardless, and you would agree with me on this, regardless, we can do better than Joe Biden and we can do better than uh, Donald Trump. And this country, at this time, we need the best we could possibly find. And they are not the high, they are not the best. They right. will not govern this country. And this country doesn't have much time left I to know, just but, spin but, our wheels and be led by one of those two individuals. I, I, feel very I, 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 I just think that Scott McGinnis, law enforcer, you know, if a guy's going 10 miles over the speed limit, you probably let him get away with it, right? And this and that. But if somebody's going... 40 or 50 miles over the speed limit. Look, there are lies and then there are big lies. When Donald Trump inflates the square footage on his house three times in order to get a tax break, well, that's a big lie. But that's not the one well, that no, concerns me. No, wait but that's not the wait, one that concerns Oh, no, no, I get a chance because sure. we're running out of time. Right. But I get a chance, Craig. Please. Where, you talk about lies. What do you think about the president and his son? I mean, I, you, you got to go at both of them. Yes, Neither sir. one of them should be where they are. Both of them are, in my opinion, both of them are lying. I mean, Biden is over. And, and aside from all of that, Biden, because of his, he's just not physically capable to run this nation. You and I both know that. And, it's, it's, and it's, Trump it's, is not capable of running this I, nation. I know, so, but I, let's just end on, you, on You just seem to focus on Trump. Well, I want to focus on, on the Biden one thing. Trump. I want to focus on saving our democracy, okay? And corrupt politicians, we've had them kind of come and go. And Joe Biden was in the Congress when you were there. And you know what? He was kind of a moderate Dem now, or then, and I think he is now, and was his son a bad guy who traded on his father's name? No doubt about it. But I just want, in our last minute, to talk about the big lie, not about New York real estate, but the big lie about the election being rigged. It all came down to, like, Mesa County, Dominion Software. Last time you were on, you had the courage to stand up to Tina Peters, who was part of that mega big lie. I wrote about it in the Colorado Sun because I think Republicans have to stand up against that. Our election integrity is at stake. You did it then, the big lie that led to January 6th. I mean, Congressman, isn't that the watermelon compared to the apple? We just uh, can't have you know a guy like let that. Let me tell you, this, of course, all right. But let me tell you, so I don't know what's going on in the federal, but I can tell you what's going on in Mesa County. Tina Peters believed that, in my opinion, she believed that Mesa County was core center of the fraud that would put Trump back in office. Our computers were hacked. I agree with that. But they were hacked by our the person we least suspected and uh, was Tina Peters. Our clerk would hack our own computers here. That's the allegations. I know them to be true. And I had zero tolerance for Tina Peters. And I think that my guess would be she's probably going to go to prison um, for the offenses. We knew what was going on. We had the proof. And every time somebody came up with, here's what really happened, 
we spent millions of dollars as commissioners checking out every, we went down every one of those paths. And in Mesa County, after all, two years now, after all of those allegations, all of these charges being made about the election integrity in Mesa County, the dead people voting, the Chinese people voting, et cetera, et cetera, the people alleging that have yet to produce one vote, not one vote in Mesa County that was fraudulent. They have not produced one vote. The pillow guy didn't produce it, although he said he was with Tina when she was flying around on his jets. Tina Peters has not produced it, and none of their supporters have produced one fraudulent vote. So in Mesa County, these commissioners and the people of this county stood up and said, this is baloney. We're not going to, you know, it didn't happen in Mesa County. That fraud did not occur uh, you know, what, what these allegations are being made and that where the fraud did occur, in my opinion, against the allegations, of course, were with our clerk and recorder. Now, what went on in Georgia and Arizona, I think the election integrity in this country is, is uh, I, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know. But I'll tell you, in Mesa County, we handled it correctly. And unfortunately, it was our own clerk who was the uh, villain in this case. Right, but, but, but put one and one and one together. It was Mesa County. It was Antrim County, Michigan. It was Coffee County, Georgia. They found friendly uh, clerks who had access to the machines and granted it because they were going to reverse engineer it and claim that the fix was yeah. in in Mesa County. Yeah. And it was all targeted against Dominion by Team Trump. Team Trump, the well, big lie, and you were you were part of exposing it. So we can't have that in America. And I appreciate you you oppose Donald Trump, but my God, if he gets elected again after what he did in Mesa County, it's yeah, just not and right. Craig, in, in either case, in either case, are you 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 must you have to if you're looking in the mirror, you have to say you take zero comfort. In, in, in considering the physical condition, forget the lies about his son and all that, just the physical condition, solely the physical condition of Joe Biden, you cannot look in the mirror and say you would feel one ounce of comfort. Likewise, I can't look in the mirror and say I would, I, I would have any level of comfort with uh, uh, Biden or Trump in the office. My point has been, we've got to do better. We can do better. We have a lot more capable people on both sides of the aisle, and we better get our stuff together pretty quick, or we're not going to get a second chance. Now, some people will say I overstate that, but I'm not trying to overstate it. I've, I'm worried. I'm Me an too. optimist, but I'm worried. But you know what I like? That you and I had this great conversation. And the thing about old Joe... We're getting up there too, Scott. I don't want to remind you again that you just turned. 70. I know. I, I got the memo. The I got the message the other day. Hey, is Scott McKenna still alive? This is Craig Silverman in Denver. Yes. Um, I'm, I, maybe he died a long time no, ago. No. I don't know. I'm just trying to find out. Maybe his widow's around and we can talk to her. There we I'm go. just joking with you, of course. No, but no. it's good to talk to it's Craig. To I appreciate your you. time. I always enjoy visiting with you. And uh, gosh. Yeah, we got great memories. We've got, we still have a wonderful country and a wonderful state. And I know a lot of wonderful people. And the one thing I tell people, I still have people come up and say, thank you for your service. And I say, you know, you got it wrong. You're saying it wrong. I thank you. Every day I got to serve in the Congress was a privilege. 
and I thank my family and the people I had the privilege to represent. It's been a it's been good run, and uh, I sure enjoy talking to you. And have a good weekend. Thank you. Thank you very much. Best to your family, and have a great one. Thank you, Congressman. All right. Thanks, Dave. Bye bye. He's the best lawyer I know because he's my lawyer. He's Michael Bailey. I think you pioneered this mobile estate planning, and lots of lawyers are doing it now. And boy, are your clients happy and satisfied. It's convenient for the client. It certainly is fun to be able to go and visit people where they are, whether it's at your house or at one of the offices, just to make it more convenient for you. And then it's more fun for me because I get to go out and about and meet people all over the place and help them out. What's the website, Michael? It is mobileestateplanning.com. What's the best phone number to call? 720-394-6887 is my direct line. Michael Bailey, that's our lawyer. Trish loves him. I do too. Thanks, Michael. You're welcome, Craig. Hey, everybody, for all of your legal needs, why not start with me? 734-7156-303-734-7156. I've been practicing law in Colorado for over 42 years, and I know a lot of people. And if I can't do right by you, I can steer you in the right direction. My number, 303-734-7156. Ask for Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims, a voice for people with legal difficulties. Look at you, trying to figure out your phone, (laughs) how to turn it on. You know what I love about this show, this segment with you, because you're smart, you're wise, And I respect you for one reason among others. You know what it is? That's that I'm semi-stupid as well. No, that you are my elder. And it occurs to me I like having on my elders. That's right. And as well you should. And remember that. I I want a little more respect around here. Right. And my guest, Scott McGinnis, he's just a little bit older than me. And Geraldo, he's even older than you. I know. He's got a decade on me. And you guys have so much energy. And honestly, your skills never cease to amaze. I asked you for what this week? Song. About? River. Right. Song about a river. Because Scott McGinnis is on the Colorado River Commission. Right. Which is an important gig. Now, you write about the river as much as Paul Simon, for God's sakes. You know what he Mitchell, she wrote about the river. Yes. Everybody. You have a lot of songs about a river, right? Okay. I guess they're in there somewhere. It's a it's good concept. Now, Paul Simon said your first line kind of has to grab the person, set the tone. Do you believe in that? Oh, sure. Yeah. A I speech, love- a song. Yes. yes. You know, you got to grab them early. Now, this is a sad song. Most of your songs are love songs, but this is a breakup song, right? Well, that's one interpretation. That's the most obvious. Right. Tear up time, although it could be tear up time. It could be moving on from 
one stage in your life to another, but yes, a relationship. Right. So how do you grab somebody for a sad song? I think you do it beautifully. Do you remember how? You ask them a question. And what is your question, sir? My question is, how long has it been since things were right, dear? Oh, that's the hard question to put to somebody. Yeah. Yeah, you've been struggling with this one. That's right. But I also think you are devious. Do you know how? In what way? Because I asked you for a river song, and I'm not stupid. I know you've made your primary fortune by never giving up your day job. Sure, you've got a big gig tonight again. You're going to make hundreds of dollars when you add in the tips. <laughs> right. And if you add in my, my, my colleagues' pay as well. Right, but you've got your main business, which is lookout renovation, going on how many decades in the remodeling business? Probably going into my fifth decade. Fifth decade. Okay, so let's be honest. It's like Act 5 attorneys during your fifth decade. You are good at it. And this song is your theme song for getting remodeling business. Tear up time again? Yes. All hey, you people. All the women. Uh, all, everybody oh, who's looking kitchen, at those. It <laughs> hasn't worked for a long time. <laughs> That's right. Those old master bathrooms that need updating. I didn't it's know this was. tear up the, time. I, I didn't know we were segueing into, into my my uh, sales pitch. To subliminal <laughs> or you knew? No, no. And that's not why I'm here. But anyway, thanks for that. And yes, I'm smart enough to have a day job because look, I do not look to music for, for money. Yeah, but you talked about getting this gig. You're playing on Friday night on Shabbat. God forgives you. Chag Sameach Sukkot, by the way. Did you know it's still Sukkot? Thank you. And um, no, have you been? Have you no, been? No, no. I guess that's the most Sukkot I've been because I'm a bad Jew. It's a great, and it, it is a great holiday. I know. Yeah. Right, it's but we get burned holiday. out. We can only take so much for Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. We talk about it, and then right away they hit you for more. I you know. know. Doesn't and work. then Shmini Atzeret For me, it, it doesn't work. Although, really, I, I always think that Sukkot would be a fun one to go to. Because, you know, you make a, you make, a Sukkot is like a, a little hut. And yeah, you hang fruits right. and vegetables and things. So it's can, great. You it's can so, have another yeah. business. You could build a Sukkot. I could build Five a days, charge how much. Right. For the right housewife. <laughs> and you know what? I've had clients who have who have sukkets in their backyard, actually, who have um, celebrated to that extent. But most people, if they want to celebrate, will go to their synagogue and there'll be something there. And it's great for kids because they there's the lulaf that you sh and the thing the you shake the lemon thing. Yes. Yeah, I'm not so good about all this, but I remember Do you know it from my where childhood. you shake it. I think I know this. You shake it. You shake it all directions. That's East, right. West, Shake it all around. Yeah, that's right. It's like North, the hokey south. pokey. It is. It is a. It is a, a harvest. It's really a harvest. Yes. It must have been mm -hmm. back when back when Jews were farmers. Yes. Yes. But we're gonna do it. Do you know what we have planned this weekend, or have you forgotten? This weekend, I yes. hope it's not too much. Oh my God, I'm a little downhearted. I mean, the dogs were looking forward to it. We need your ladder. Oh, Wait. Saturday we're going to pick apples. How many apples? Enough for two pies. Two pies is all? If you want more, we'll pick more. 
No, I'm just asking you because you really are the chief chef. But we did it two years ago. We took a hiatus, yep. but it's a bumper crop. We've been eating them on our walk. And the goal is to pick as many public access apples, apples that are delicious, that otherwise I think would just be squirrel food. That's right. Well, and I have those two trees in my backyard. I know, but let's not even touch those. Oh, I, I like it better from public therapists. <laughs> we can have public pies and gun All right, well, pies. let's segregate and see which tree is better. Well, we know which tree is better. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, this song is just beautiful. And you bring into it the river and tears flow into the river. And honest to goodness, Scott McGinnis and I waxed on about driving around Colorado. You've done more of that than I have in your great remodeling career and well, living in Boulder and being a well, musician. Forgetting that, I've had a, a lot of experience on rivers, actually, as a kayaker. I've done I've done the Grand Canyon many times in my kayak. and The Colorado? Uh, the, well, the Colorado, the Green, the Yampa, um, you know, all of the, the uh, Front Range rivers, now you know, you're like Clear bragging. Creek. And, yeah. Well, I mean, well, I've, I've got played a, a lot of, golf lot of experience, okay, spe but especially ahead. the desert rivers of Utah and Colorado. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, Arizona. Scott McGinnis said we should have been Colorado taken Moab. We've just gone a little further west, right? Moab, more of the Colorado River. He thinks we should have gone there, too. Yes, he lives out it's kind there. Of imperialistic, and you know, there's McGinnis Canyonlands out there, named after my guest. This is a big deal. Show made even better by your song, Tear Up Time. Thanks for doing it. What I like toward the end, I'm sure it's you. You start playing the guitar really pretty fast and hard. That's like a river picking up steam, right? Okay, I'll take uh, that. Well, yeah, you take that. That's a nice image. I'll have to listen again with that in mind. Everybody give a listen. Tear up time by our troubadour. Shabbat Shalom. Thanks, Craig. Shabbat Shalom. Now, how long has it been since things were right? Never a brighter light And everything just went blue We beyond hope People do it all the time And follow that crooked line Not do the same for you Nothing more to do So I'm looking in back, it's tear up time Thinking those days gone forever I'm searching inside and it's tear up time again Yeah, I'm looking way back, it's tear up time Follow my feet on down to the river Water runs deep, it's tear up time again Just the other night seemed so real. Rose above the fields, forgotten we could fly. Yeah, I would wait for you till the rose blooms somewhere beyond this dark room. 
such a distant sight Now I'm looking in back It's tear up time Pulling up roots Tangled together Looking way back It's tear up time again Yeah, I'm searching way back And it's tear up time Follow my feet on down I got a bruised up heart A little more time I could lose my heart There's nothing in this for me No, I don't blame you moving on If your love was here Now your love is gone And could your light still shine on me Michael Bailey, a friend, a lawyer, a sponsor. Tell everybody how you bring peace of mind to their life. So by setting up your estate plan, you know what's going to happen to your stuff when you die. You know where it's going to go, you know who's going to get it. We've got everything in place so we're not running to a court to try to get guardianship and conservatorship as quickly as possible. But then it's an orderly proceeding of things. So, you know, there's already enough chaos with the medical emergency, but the legal part of it and who can make decisions is all outlined. It's all set up. So there's, it's like the the smooth transition of power. That's cool because you can avoid so many problems by having a medical power of attorney and discussing it with a smart guy like Michael Bailey, because who should have this? It's probably somebody close. Who do you trust most among your children to make that call? 
These are the hard and good questions that you ask every day, right, Michael? Right, and if you ask them beforehand, when you're not in the middle of a crisis, then when a crisis hits, we're not trying to do crisis management and medical emergency and everything else. We're going, okay, we've got a smooth transition of power here. We've got a smooth who's in charge, and we can have that all flow so that we can focus on the care. There are so many things in life that you can fill out a form and save yourself money, save yourself heartache. Some people die out of nowhere quickly, but more often you get sick, you have medical difficulties, so it all goes together. But your system works, it works beautifully. What is the best way to contact you these days? Best way, uh, you can give me a call. My phone number is 720-394-6887. And again, that's 720-394-6887. Or you can go online to michaeldailylawllc.com. And there is a an appointment page on my website that you can use. So either way is fine. Thanks, Michael. Hey, that's our show, and I told you it would be a beauty, and I hope you thought it was too. Dave Gunders delivered, as per usual, Tear Up Time is a classic. Listen to it over and over. It makes a lot of good points. Could be about remodeling. Could be about breaking up a relationship. God forbid, it could be about a country coming apart at the seams. How long have we been doing this? How long has things not been right for a while? And it's kind of MAGA-related. Let's get rid of that cancer. Scott McGinnis, you are good enough to oppose Donald Trump being president again. I appreciate that. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Tell a friend, share, subscribe. Five stars. Love it. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. Tune in live every Saturday morning, 9 to noon, Mountain Time. Visit thecraigsilvermanshow.com for the podcast, blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms to be updated when new episodes are available. This has been The Craig Silverman Show.